Hey, what's going on? Can I get a tequila, Ricky? I'll be paying. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure. I'll be paying in cash. And uh, <laughs> can someone light my Marlboro Red, please? There you go. Right. Mask on the there you part. go. Okay. Don't, don't let my okay. don't let right. my mustache so get like, in the way. Then they'll be like, uh, "You mean a, a a Ricky Martin? We don't you, serve that here, sir." You know what's funny? Like talking to that deep voice makes me realize, like, how actually I do talk because I was like, it's like way down here and nothing like what I sound like at all. Welcome back, everybody, to the most awesome in Brandana Sports Podcast, coming at you as we always do. And we have a dynamite episode 21. Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe on iTunes. Search MAB Sports. Go ahead and leave five stars. Leave a comment. Tell some friends that you were here and what you heard. I'm Brandana, and with me, as always, who you tune in to hear, the talent. What you doing, most awesome? Oh, I'm just living the dream, brother. What about you? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Our little baby podcast is turning 21 this evening. What do you think oh. about that? If it's all grown up, then it's all grown up. It's all grown up. How's your week been, man? Oh, it's been good, brother. It's been good. You know, just uh, living the dream. What about yourself? Crushing it. Uh, it's going well, man. I'm gearing up for a little uh, Brandana birthday weekend celebration. Uh, that's why we got a little, sh- yeah, little sh- uh, short turnaround. Most awesome, taking the rare kind of weekday family time to tune in here with Brandana <laughs> on the short schedule, and we're gonna turn it around. It'll still drop on Monday, so you guys don't worry about it. Hot pod's still that's coming right. your way. We we find a Hot way. Pod. We find a way to get it to you. All right, the rundown. We're doing riff from the headlines. We're gonna be talking holdouts. We're doing most awesome's homework. Chick sports two or three. One assignment's done. He's got two more to go to get him over the hump. We're doing MAB inbox. We got one email. We're going to tackle real fast out of there. MA, MA parenting tips. Uh, we've got a dog watch update. A little bit more on the serious note. We'll jump into that. Uh, we're doing the Neapolitan showdown. We're talking top cocktails uh, that was right. sent in by the Doff. Uh, we're going to do the Brandana gambling corner. Segment six of eight of NFL Futures AFC South. I know we've been talking about it for a while. We had the guys on last week, did a little NBA Futures. Let's get back in my neck of the woods, brother. Let's talk a little <laughs> NFL. So we'll tackle that, and then, we'll, as always, we'll do our MVP of the week and our 30-second tale from the frat. Ooh, we're going only 30 seconds? Just half? Oh, half shit, the seconds? that's right. Now we'll edit this. You know what? I'll do back-to-back 30 seconds. No, just one 60-second. We'll see how long it lasts. Exactly, right? exactly. I don't think any of them have ever lasted exactly 60 less seconds. than a minute. Yeah, Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's um, true. I, I think there was one healthy, like, four-minute one we had when we jumped yeah, in. I we think we, both we had a deep dive into the frat. We'll see how long it lasts. It lasts how long it lasts. Just like this podcast, people. Relax. I think we got a full one, brother, for Big 21. We do. We've got an, a, a jam pack, much like your your 21st birthdays out there. Just trying to carve out as much good time, adult fun as possible. Trying to get as much stats and drinks in us as we can. Oh, yeah. What did you do for your 21st? What was most awesome up to? Oh, so, um, can you not so, talk about it? Is like NDA signing well, shit? I, like how crazy? Yeah, did you I, get? Can't, I can't talk about it because I, there's not a lot to remember <laughs> about it. Sure, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I think you know we did because I, I definitely had a couple. My my birthday's in late May, so there's always that kind of quandary of like schools out and colleges out, and you're kind of back home. And at that time, I was I went back home. I, I hung out with some uh, some buddies of mine. I just remember we just went and did a, a huge bar hopping. Um, we did the last thing I kind of tentatively remember was doing a a three Wiseman shot. Oh yeah, which is oh, oof. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, jo- Johnny Walker, uh, Jack Daniels, and Jim Beam. Good, you're already in. You're already in Neapolitan oh. form right now, my friend. Yeah, no three peat happening today, brother. I can guarantee that. <laughs> well, you're counting the score, so of course not. But anyways, <laughs> we'll get back to that. We will. Um, but yeah, so then I just remember. Uh, I definitely remember. Like uh, my friend told me that I was chatting up some uh, some older ladies. Uh, trying to you know win you know score some points. Not that there's like, anything wrong with that. Older ladies are like 28 or something. Yeah, right, right. No, they were probably <laughs> like maybe like 48. I think it was really trying to go in that down that cougar alley. Wow. Um, then came home and uh, my parents were out of town and I decided to make hamburgers on the grill. And like they said, like basically, like I threw it on there for maybe like thirty seconds, pulled it off, and was just like eating just like raw meat oh, in between. Oh yikes! <laughs> and they're like, "You got to put that down. You got to put that down." Woke up with a pretty pretty strong hangover. What about your twenty first? That's funny. Passing out with a burger in your mouth, a habit you still didn't shake fifteen years later. I've seen exactly. It. Common uh, theme. I, yeah, I was pretty much up the same alley. It was like a little cliche. Had a uh, a little get together at my house and then it was just like let's get out to the bars and i just i have this shirt on where you tally drinks and i think i'll get up to like 15 cocktails sure. down yeah. in in lawrence kansas rock chalk and then threw up in some bushes and had a terrible hangover classic case classic there you go yeah. there you go 21. i love it all right um let's take these guys to the jam take them to the jam extra extra read all about it Rip from the headlines. We're talking holdouts. Why are we talking about that yep. this week, most often? We're talking about that because of uh, one Mr. Le'Veon Bell out of the Pittsburgh Steeler has decided that he most likely will hold out and could potentially hold out the entire season uh, to get a, a, a deal more commensurate with his skill set. Yeah, do you know what he's set to clear this year? Uh, from a franchise tag or from well, yeah, yeah I think it's from, yeah, it's a four, 14, 14, 14 and a half million dollars, yeah. 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 And so basically, he's starting his contract negotiations uh, no lower than fourteen and a half million. That's what he wants his yearly salary to be on the long term deal, because that's what we're talking yeah. about, right? Miss uh, most awesome, especially with you know running backs have a little bit shorter of that shelf life. He's twenty six years old. He kind of wants that long term deal. He feels he's put in the right. time, uh, and he wants to get paid. You know that quarterback money also. Like he's not been bashful about kind of floating that out there that he doesn't want to get paid as the upper echelon of running back. He wants to get paid upper echelon of NFL player. Which we're kind of starting to hear right, from all exactly. those star talents, like you know OBJ. I think came out and said it a couple of years ago, and it's I don't. Did you hear? So here's what I and I know we were talking about this in a pre bro, and I couldn't remember where I heard it, but I uh, I pulled the details. So I guess right now all I'm seeing is there is one guy reporting it, and it's Ian Rappaport that he did get offered 
uh, that five years, $70 million contract, which would uh, like average out to that $14 million a year and the sign-in bonus being a little over $10 million. Why does that not sound like a puzzle piece that would fit for him? Because I'd be very interested to see what that – because all of that is not guaranteed, yeah. just the way that the NFL salaries are, are, are structured. So I'd be very interested to see the creative math that was on that 70 mil over five years, what was actually guaranteed, which yeah. probably would have been – if it was five years, my guess is probably – 35 to 40 million would have been guaranteed. That would have put him in that eight, nine million. Actually, nine, eight million would have been a little low. So, probably like maybe 40 or 45 million, maybe in that nine, 10 range mm-hmm. or, or nine, eight and a half, nine range, somewhere in there. Is this a good time for us to jump into? I think the big puzzle piece we need to know, and maybe it's kind of like for, you know, we need a talent a lot like yourself, most awesome, to take sure. us over that ne- next threshold and get us to the level where we can start kind of understanding. We see these NBA players, they go around, there's contracts that have to be dumped, they're always involved in mm-hmm. part of trades. It happens a little less in the NFL. I know uh, a couple episodes ago I brought up Donovan McNabb, how the Vikings signed him like a $70 million deal, uh, $70 million deal over, who cares, 15 years, who gives a shit? Like Everyone just <laughs> kind of knew it was bullshit, and it was like he ended right. up getting cut like the next year. What is the difference in these two leagues? What is going on with NFL guaranteed money? What's the solve? So I have an actual definitive answer. I know when we talked pre-bro and stuff like that, we kind of uh, dug deep in at the 11th. No, no, I, 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 I want to let the audience know. This wasn't pre-bro. I, I come a boy M.A. at work on a Thursday, and he was like, call you back in two minutes. Got back to me, and he was just like, I'm still mining through this. I know we got a pod tonight. I'm going to have the answers. And the motherfucker in the past four hours put together this answer. I'm leaning in. I'm all ears. Okay. Take it most okay. awesome. So where it all boils down to, let's just start to why the NFL is the way it is in terms of their agreements, and we can talk about the NBA and everything else besides that. But here's where the rule comes from, um, or, or here's a rule that impedes these salary structures to be more similar to an NBA salary uh, structure. It's called the NFL funding rule, and this predates back to the AFL-NFL merger um, and has some even uh, fingers back into like the 1930s when the the uh, the Boston Redskins, before they were the Washington Redskins, um, had trouble staying solvent, and so they were having trouble to afford paying for their players and paying. And actually, guys were having to run to try and cash the check as quickly as possible. We probably all worked jobs back in the day, right? You know, you're just like, oh, I get the check. Let's get to the the gas station as quickly as possible, cash that check before it bounces. So a lot of the NFL teams today did not obviously have we didn't have the money and sponsorship deals that we you know we see the billion dollars that we see today so they were struggling to so the NFL uh created what's called the NFL funding rule which is basically meant to ensure that players got their paid and that their checks cleared the provision states that every uh dollar that's fully guaranteed owed to a player but has not been yet paid, has to be funded in a league-run escrow account. So what that means today is, is, and this is so basically, I can't promise you any more that's not there. So now the owners lean on this rule as a way and put all the other monies in terms of the actual guaranteed versus the incentive-laid stuff, and they hide behind that I can. It, so if I was to sign Le'Veon Bell for seventy million dollars, 
well, I would have to sink all $70 million times, you know, all the number of contracts that I have out there into this league-funded escrow account. As a business person, I'm not going to do that because I'm just basically putting money in an escrow account that isn't really, there's probably nominal returns on it versus me holding that $70 million and parsing it out. So the fix is, is you could subtly change the rule. You don't have to abolish the rule. You could just put in a clause. My assumption would be, and I'm no lawyer, but you could basically put in a clause to basically say for, you know, you have to have a, um, you know, un- a, a basically a funded escrow account for that year's uh, salaried roster players, right? So anybody on the salary roster for that year, that calendar year, or that whatever fiscal year that they go by, um, they just have to have that 153 or 155 million dollars in there, in the that league funded escrow account. That would be a way that I could see that agents could then leverage to now actually making these agreements fully guaranteed, like they are in the NBA. But that would just be a very small fix, and I don't know. It's not a collectively bargained agreement. It's an NFL rule. So I don't know if the if the NFL if they struck if they striked if they could work that into their collective bargaining agreement. That's the piece that I don't know. But they certainly probably could leverage their play to get something a little bit more favorable in terms of verbiage on that rule. All right, so boil it down simply. Uh, thanks for that deep dive, most awesome. That's great. So it's basically what we're saying is NBA players have more power as a player's union than the NFL players do. And yeah. is it because are, are we talking – I mean, like, just I'm just trying to logically deduce. We got to be talking, you know, uh, average career span of NFL player is whatever, like two years and some change, three years. We're talking, uh, you know, there's substantially more NFL players. I, I don't know by like what number, but uh, there's what 13 basketball players, and then like yeah, you have like, you have a max league of like 450 people in the NBA at 15 players times 30. You've got a 53-man roster times 32 yeah. in the NFL. So, I mean, you're, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. The the individual player leverage probably not as strong as the NBA's union. Plus, you've got a lot of guys who run out there and are kind of in this mode. Like, it's hard to... It's hard to stop this because you've got so many different deals and so many different players. Like if you look at Aaron Donald, his rookie deal was a four-year, $10 million deal where basically half of that salary was broken up into salary bonus. So, you know, a lot of these guys, when they sign these bigger deals, they actually get paid large signing bonuses and they get a large portion of that up front and then are basically kind of having to squirrel that nut away. And by the time they hit that fourth year, they're basically, you know, only got like $2 million or $3 million for, you know, maybe a couple incentives here or there, but they basically got a front loaded, a bunch of their money four years ago and have had to parse that out. So when they're time to resign, they're trying to race to the gates to get as much money back in a, an influx of cash. Um, unfortunately, both NBA and, and NFL players are historically um, poor at managing their funds. There's a ESPN 30 for 30 called broke, where something like 70 to 80% of professional athletes are broke within five years of finishing their career. And we're talking not just the two- and three-year players. We're talking about the guys that play 10 years in the league and maybe cleared $50 million. 
Yeah, and I think it has to be harder for especially that running back position that's kind of notoriously looking to be on the downhill slope around the age of right. 30. Right now, if you kind of look at the uh, the top 10 running back contracts in the league right now, um, just kind of the length of them. You got Le'Veon Bell, which is one. Uh, there's only one that's five years. This is the number two contract. Uh, Devontae Freeman signed that five-year extension. And right. he's getting, uh, you know, 44% of that money is guaranteed. So that's uh, 18 mil guaranteed on his five years. But then after that, right. LaShawn McCoy's got two left. Uh, Saquon Barkley from the Giants has got one left. That's probably going to be the last one. And then uh, right. Jer- Jer- I didn't realize Jarek McKinnon got paid a little bit. He got uh, 49ers, yeah. Yeah, four years, 30 million with uh, 11 million of that guaranteed, 11 7. So that's uh, right, but that's really, that's really, that, I mean, if you really, if you really think about it, Brandon, I mean, that is less than that's a four year, less than three million dollar contract because only 11 is guaranteed. The rest is roster bonuses and incentives and things like that. And here's the reason, here's the, here's the problem is, is that eight teams, agents, and players all are. Uh, incentivized to to publicize these bigger, larger deals. Like Jerick McKinnon wants to sit there and be like, "Yeah, of course I'll make the the other forty or the other twenty nine million dollars of that deal uh, because I'm going to go out there, I'm going to ball out, I'm going to play, I'm not going to get injured, I'm going to do all these things." But really, it's it's a four year, eleven million dollar contract when, right. it, okay. when it all shakes out. Yeah. Okay. So I think I get it. Most awesome. What we're talking about is it's not necessarily the like owners that aren't fulfilling on these contracts in the NFL, what they have is they built in so many like clauses or incentive based or just kind of like all these little buildings to give them the option to kind of terminate the contract. And so like the NBA players have a stronger power, like bargaining position where they don't have all that stuff built in. And the players, of course, when they sign it, they're just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like I'll have that many catches or like, yeah, I'll play these many games. And then that doesn't happen. And then without batting an eye, the team can just drop the player and not pay all that money. Right, exactly, and it's been and the and the precedences are set within these different leagues, right? So, like when you you have the franchise tag for Le'Veon Bell, it's basically an average of all of the top five NFL running backs at that position, or the there's a stipulation it's like or 120 percent of their you know last base salary or their average or whatever. So you're kind of working in from these like precedent confines of. Well, this is what historically these guys have gotten. So you're kind of at a disadvantage as a player arguing from, you know, past poor deals, right? Yeah. So who's the who's the franchise to help? It's to help the team owners, yeah? The franchise tag? The franchise yeah. tag. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Because basically because of the way that the league is going, you'd be better off – I mean <laughs> – if they franchise them for three years, they're trying. The NFL does try to disincentivize them because, like the year before, Le'Veon got franchised, it was like eleven million. Then this year it'll be fourteen and a half, and next year would be like that twenty million dollar. Yeah, and he'd be on a you know three years later, so they would have to really kind of cost you know do a cost valuation on is Le'Veon Bell worth at twenty eight twenty million dollars, or should we try and lock him up? on again one of those performance laden guarantees and you know stretch it out and maybe we only end up spending 35 million dollars over five years and we cut him loose in the last two years and he's got a nominal cap hit against us that makes sense so maybe even like the nfl like the tail of the tape like just seeing those contract numbers isn't even close to enough information so like we look real fast and we're just like Le'Veon bell why don't you sign in this five year for 70 million dollars and they're just like built-in shit like that he's just like 
I'm a fucking running back. I've seen how like running backs are abused. Like I like I know the right. chance I'm running into. Like I need to get like guaranteed fucking money. Right, exactly. And that's the thing that I'd be concerned about is 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 how much those later year deals like how much of that seventy million is that? Yeah. Which could be just hanging out there and, and you know, and and going back to just union to union, the NBA, I mean, if you think about it, their salary cap is ninety four million dollars. The NFL salary cap is $155 million. So let's look at the disproportionate just in terms of players. Yeah. You have $94 million amongst 15 players versus 153 for 53 players. You can see there's a big, huge disparity in terms of just the strength of these two unions to, to begin with. Damn, most awesome. You just made me smart as fuck. And I know you did that to all the <laughs> listeners also. Thanks, bro. The talent dive. That's why he's a talent. He dives in so you don't have to. Guys, you can reach us at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we dug in it there. We'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on all this going on. Uh, we're going to hit around this. i got a couple more questions to ask you right now as we're kind of yeah. still in this rip from the headlines. Here's my big concern with uh, Le'Veon Bell. If he's thinking he's going to leave – and uh, I actually didn't bring this up. I was listening to a Fantasy Focus podcast with uh, Matthew Barry, and they brought up a okay. good point. Is just like if he's going to leave, wouldn't the Pittsburgh Steelers just have the strategy to just run him into the fucking ground? Like, there's no reason to like try to keep like his shelf life or even worry about him over like the next like four or five years. Like, are they just going to like abuse that tool and then just fucking like throw it aside and then? next team's problem if they feel like he's just he's kind of got his like foot in the door jam ready to sneak out the back yeah and so that's one of those things where that becomes a scary premise for Le'Veon Bell because if they're yeah, calling exactly. the plays and they're and they're going out there and playing he had 406 touches last season which was an increased touch load from the year before so 400 carries or 400 touches is that kind of danger zone for NFL running backs. So he did that last year. So, yes, that's a scary premise. Now, here's what he could do. If he holds out, he could sustain some of that injury. And if he holds out, he basically he only needs to get play six games this season to get credit for this year, which would then kind of escalate his tenure in the league and then thereby add leverage to his bargaining chips yeah so he only needs to play six games this year so ostensibly if he feels like that's the way the wind is shifting he could try and hold out come back late in the season play six games and try and keep himself as fresh as possible you guys heard it here look for week 11 through 17 <laughs> Le'Veon bell 40 touches a game <laughs> that's right grinding it out so so two quick questions uh i know we're up against it in this segment can he sit out an entire year what happens i mean i guess he could technically sit out an entire year i think the problem is is like i said before he loses a little bit of leverage in terms of a bargaining in terms of i think that the just the general tenure like i think he would lose something in his pension too which is something of value but he would also potentially lose, I think, another year in the league, which would put his his salary into that next a, a larger echelon. I, I could be wrong on that, uh, so half drink for that one. Half drink. But al- but also too, uh, then sitting out an entire year, 
you you just hurt your value in terms of a of an athlete, right? I mean, we're, we're kind of talking about this with with Kawhi Leonard a little bit, who he yeah. may or may not have sat out intentionally this past season. What what are teams then going to risk if they, he sat out an entire year? What are the comparables, right? I mean, when we talk about these contracts and these these are high business acumen guys. I mean, these guys are looking at comps. Like, show me this the the, the evidence that at twenty eight. After sitting out a year, you can come back and be the best player in the league. The only thing that's really comparable is Adrian Peterson. And look at how that's gone post his year suspension from the league, right? Yeah, I guess I gotta disagree a little bit. Like I, I know what you're saying, but I think in I don't know, that position with that level of talent, I would be like fresh legs, like one year off, like you know he's gonna stay strong, stay in shape, like Toss the dice. I imagine he gets what he gets. Okay. Up against it, uh, real fast, I want to ask you this question. Um, so let's just assume that we're going to have Le'Veon Bell play some games for the Pittsburgh Steelers on the 2018 season. And let's assume that we're going to have uh, Kawhi play in Toronto for the 2018-2019 season. Okay. Most likely player to suit up for that same team the following season. Bell or Leonard. So for the 2019 season... I am gonna go, and I and I thought about this. I'm gonna. I, I've gone back and forth because Le'Veon Bell had said his agent said that he wanted to he wanted to retire a Steeler, and Kawhi is kind of being forced into this Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna go. I'm actually gonna go with Kawhi. I think Kawhi stays for 2019. I think they pull off the Paul George model and keep Kawhi in Toronto. Whoa. Uh, I know it's crazy, right? Well, you, you got me jo- Joey Lawrence over here. Whoa. <laughs> like that totally, like I did not see that. You didn't think coming. that was going to come in? Uh, I just think, I just think that the, 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 the well, was it, is, it, is it, is it more of you can picture like, like Kawhi being talked into it or is it more of you're like, there's no fucking way. Like Le'Veon Bell comes back to the Steelers after this year. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the latter. I think it's I'm I I just don't think it's yeah. going to shake out and I think he's going to he seems like the type of person that is going to stick to his guns on this and at at a certain point the 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 the, the stuff has been said and the agreements have been out there. He's I don't think he's going to get the deal. The the Steelers they're a pretty public team and I don't think that they're going to uh, roll out the red, especially when they got a bunch of other young, talented guys out there. I don't think that they're gonna they're gonna risk their future on maybe what could happen, and uh, I don't think they're gonna get a deal done. And I think that means that Kawhi, I think he gets talked into Toronto. I think Fuck. Drake's going to get a hold of him. Drake's <laughs> He's going to hit him with that hot light oh, bling man. or whatever. Fuck. <laughs> I don't remember how that went. Oh, obsessed yeah. for like, I don't know, two and a half weeks with that song. And then it was just like, I can't believe I listened to it. Moving on. God, <laughs> we fucked that segment up. That's probably one of our best ripped ever. Well, uh, there you have it, people. Let's not waste any time. We definitely overstayed our welcome and ripped from the headlines, but totally worth it. Let's jump into your homework, sir. I got three of four right for the World Cup in the final four. You got two of four. Mm. You've been assigned Chick Sports. Chick Sports segment two of three. Let's hear it, brother. Let's. Are we going to kick it to the jams first? We're going to bring them in with some some very classy lady jams. <laughs>
All right, buddy, All what, do you, what do you got for us this week? Last week, uh, you covered a very impressive dive into women's tennis. You even had to audible a little bit because you were ready to go a little Serena Williams, ended up losing that day, but that's the kind of talent you are to switch on a dime. What do you got for us? Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm fluid. I'm nimble. That's why I'm here talking about, about these ladies, these lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with a little lady. She's, she's not so little. She's 6'8". Uh, her name is Liz Cambage. Uh, Liz is the center for the Dallas Wings, and recently this week set a WNBA single game scoring record. Wow. Dropping. What's that? I said, uh oh. Uh oh, look. Just in time. You know, in this slow time, I. Oh, yeah, give her a little air horn. I feel like in this dog days of summer, like. It's slow. It's slow for all sports. We're still popping off sure. hot pod, but we are the rarity. There's a lot of pods that are just flailing. They don't know what's going on. They're, they're dying on the vine, not us. And I feel like she knew Chick Sports was a segment and broke a record. Yeah. I was like, like, how, how nice does that line up? Step up my A game this week mm-hmm. for Most Awesome and Brandon and give him a little, little hot pod topic. Sure. She dropped, uh, she dropped 53 points. Mm-hmm. That is a single game scoring record for uh, the WNBA. Here's the thing that I found that to be most impressive is her efficiency. Now, everyone talks about the WNBA and their skill level, and, and Liz put it on show today, or that game, I should say. 17 of 22 in her field goal, field goal attempts, 4 of 5 from three-point land, knocked down 15 of 16 free throws, Brandana. Yeah, that's what I like to I like I like efficiency. I like to hear that. It means I like it you, too. You're putting in you're putting in work, putting in those shooting 80% three-pointer. That's pretty well done. Very much earned. Well done. Uh, exactly. She was on a, she wasn't just a one-trick pony. She had 10 boards, five there you blocks. Go. Crash those she boards. Had, mm. She had tw- 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 That's right. She's a five she's a full player. Not just you know, just trying to get buckets. Not like not like uh, our boys from Joie de Vivec talking about uh, Sim Ballard down hanging out at the end of the <laughs> yeah, exactly. cherry no, picking. No cherry picking, yeah, yeah. No cherry picking. She she played D. Uh, she had 28 points in the first half. Dipped in the third quarter. Only had five points, but came back because you know we're we're kind of like Liz in the respect that we're a fourth quarter pod. She came back. She dropped 20 on him in that fourth quarter. Oh yeah, we are a fourth quarter pod. We're also uh, like a first quarter pod. Like a second quarter pod, and a third quarter third pod, quarter, third quarter pod, and the yep, fourth exactly. and overtime pod and pregame pod. It's just like it's full package. Exactly. It's full. But, but when we hit the when we round after Neapolitan Showdown, we both put four fingers up in the air. That's trying to give that fourth quarter nod because <laughs> yeah, yep, we know yep. it's time to go. It's time to bring it. Uh, awesome, brother. Good, good dig. A good drop of the stats, and uh, that's two or three. And we have uh, one more round of chick sports coming at you next week. <laughs> <laughs> you just like the way I say it, chicks. I just love it. It just you know every time it's. I think I, it just you know gains. what? Like I don't want people to forget we are people of our word, and you are you're bringing right. the heat in this segment again. Like I told I, uh, them last week, so lucky it's you that lost the. Well, bench. I can't. I can't take credit for the chicks in these sports doing these things. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't want to, no. I'm just. I'm just the simply the vessel to bring chick sports to you. I, I mean, in all honesty, it has making you take a little bit deeper dive on some kind of headlines or performances you might not have been aware of that's exactly a fact. that's a fact uh inbay inbox okay uh we're up against it so maybe we'll make up for a little bit of time probably not because this one's gonna get me going 
Okay. Uh, so we got a regular Mabber emailed in. What's your personal favorite two or three teams of all time? Sub question. Can a person have a team on their list that didn't win a championship? Mm. It's a great question. I love this question. It's good. It's good. Um, yeah, so I jumped So I, I, I pulled three teams that I have on my list, and one of them did not win a championship. I'm going to tackle that question out of the gate. And here's what, what's I'm that? Smiling cause I, cause I'm smiling because I, I had three teams, and I had one team that did not win a oh. championship either. Pod partner. God, it's like every week there's a reason we do this. Bring it up. Air horn each other sometimes. Thank you, brother. Uh, Yeah, real quick. Um, Yes, Nomabber, you can. And and here's the reason you can is let's say like – I don't. You're from Cleveland. Uh, I know we have like a lot of Kansas City fans out there, and maybe you're like a sure. Chiefs fan. I know this is going to make their like heads explode. But maybe you didn't go to KU. Maybe you went to like Missouri, <laughs> and you just like you love sports, but you haven't necessarily <laughs> been a part of a team that has won a championship. So like, there's got to be a Chiefs team you love. You know, like it's either going to be that Christian Okoye team, or probably more likely like that Joe Montana, Marcus Allen, kind of like that fun run sure. they had. So it's you remember those teams, and much I'm going to tie into that is. For me, it was the 2008 Minnesota Vikings. Uh, went 12 mm. and four. Uh, Brett Favre's first year said, "I'm not signing from with Minnesota." And then two weeks later, he signed with Minnesota. And he's just <laughs> <Right>. like, <clears throat> "I remember most awesome watching those games. Like there was the game to uh, I think it was Week Four against the San Francisco 49ers, uh, down 24 to 10. Um, he threw with four seconds left through a 30." two-yard pass to Greg Lewis in the back of the end zone. And from the back camera angle, do you remember this most awesome? You didn't even, like, see him in the play. Like, and then Greg Lewis, the wide receiver, like four seconds left in the fourth quarter, grabs the ball. Do you know what Greg Lewis's stat line for that game was when he caught that winning touchdown pass from Brett Favre? Mm, my guess is probably just one catch. One reception, 32 yards, one touchdown as time expired. Well, four seconds. Yeah, so it was just like that. That run was just magical, and that was like uh, yeah. Bounty Gate. The Saints cheated, uh, whatever. So I think like you most definitely can because you know everyone's a sports fan, and there are some fans that aren't lucky enough to you know be a part of a national champion. So there's always probably that team that you know near dear to your heart that hasn't pulled off like the yeah. victory. Yeah, that the only video that I remember from that game is is when they were talking about the Saints defensive coordinator who was paying players to injure other players, and the defensive yeah, lineman came bounty, off the field going like, "Pay me my money." Yeah, like yeah, b- bounty, yeah. bounty gate. Yeah, it made the uh, Sean bounty gate, yes. defense look pretty fucking ridiculous when you do the uh, Johnny Menzel money sign walking off. <laughs> very good. I like it. Yes, and I, I and I also look at this too when I think of like favorite teams. I think this is very much like a collegiate feel. Like I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe yours are all professional, but I feel like when you look at teams like that, you have like a favorite team. I feel like if you if you have a college that you root for, oftentimes you lend it to that because they are doing it. I mean, obviously we've we've talked in pods past about the awareness that college players have now of their brand, but at a certain point they're just out there they're playing for their team they're representing they're trying their best it doesn't get into all like what we talked at the top of the pod with Le'Veon Bell and contracts and you know the ugliness and paying them what's their worth and, all, and that sort of stuff you're really just yeah. talking about the the pure sport so I'm going to go off the top uh 1997 now they did win a championship uh team I'm talking about team 118 
of the University of Michigan Wolverine football team. That's the 90, 1997 national championship. We're talking Charles Woodson winning uh, winning a Heisman that year. Uh, just great highlights all the way around, going up against Ohio State and putting the wood to them. Uh, Woodson having, you'll probably see it in a lot of college football highlights, picking off at Michigan State, just snatching it with one hand, mm-hmm. coming back inbounds, like basically catching it out of bounds and bringing it back in inbounds. Uh, Brian Greasy, the quarterback, they had a, just a, just a great team. Um, so that's that's one of my one of my top teams. Yeah, I think you made a great point leading into that uh, college thing, um, and I definitely in our circle of friends. And I know this has come up on earlier pods because I think maybe our first tale from the frat or something was the 2008. KU national champion, right. but that's obviously my number one. That's Mario and the Miracles. Uh, sure, you know, like you, like you said, you just have that, you have that collegiate alliance, uh, and it's, it's something happened that year. You know, it's it's your favorite team ever that you've root for. They're they're good at their sport. You know, college basketball. Uh, yeah, people all say it's the most fun tournament to watch. You know, you got to get like six sure. victories. It's March Madness. It's crazy, and that championship game, uh, it it went to overtime. You know, there's. Nine, they're trailing by nine points with two minutes, 12 seconds left. Uh, they start fouling on purpose. They're playing Memphis, obviously, that already had a John Calipari Memphis that had trouble from the free throw line. They go four right. or five. Kansas scored 12 points, shooting 100%. That's two for two from two, two for two from three, and two for two from the free throw line. And, of course, that three to tie it from Mario right. Chalmers when they could have just tied – or when they could have fouled because Memphis was, you know, leading by three, sent him to the line with that much time left. But right. he buries right. it with 2.1 seconds left, turn it, turns the game into overtime, and it was over from there. Have you finally watched, rewatched it again? Have you gone back and rewatched it? I know last time we talked about it, you said you hadn't watched it yet. I know. I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. Spot, no. brother. Yeah, what's that? Okay. I said, I didn't want to put you on the spot. No, no. But, but that's what you did. Mad yeah. about you next March. Mad about you. We're just going to rewatch that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, date night. Date night. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, like, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Date night. Oh, yes. And then, um, um, yeah, yeah. What's your next one, brother? I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Red Wings. Um, and I know we don't haven't really talked too much about hockey on this podcast, probably at all. Neither one of us are huge hockey fans, but growing yep. up in in high school, um, being in living in Detroit, you know, having the Red Wings thereby was especially at the pinnacle of their greatness. Um, was pretty exciting. In 1997, um, they won the Stanley Cup Finals, and a few days afterwards, some of the guys were celebrating. Um, there was a, a a limo driver that was, I believe, he was under the influence. I bet I think he was drinking himself. Crashed the limo. Um, Vladimir Konstantinov, a defensive uh, defenseman, um, was actually severely injured, had a brain injury afterwards, never was to perform, never play again. Um, they came back that next year in 1998. Um, they won the Stanley Cup, back-to-back Stanley Cups. They brought Konstantinov down on the ice uh, to touch the cup and to be a part of that team. And uh, it was a great moment. It was really really like a, a really truly memorable moment in Detroit sports. Um, and the Red Wings are just a fixture of the city. I mean, it's hockey town for a reason. So that's a, that's an awesome team that I'll always remember. Yeah. That's good. That always uh, helps also or enhances it. Right. When there's just like kind of that yeah. feel good story kind of married into it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. My, my uh, last one, on this list, a great email also, by the way, uh, thanks for sending that in. This really got us going and excited. Uh, 
the Philadelphia Phillies in 2008. So I know we're up against it, <laughs> and I want to tell that story yeah, about how uh, listener uh, Tango Foxtrot and I became Phillies fans. Uh, right. Remind me, I'll save it for a tale from the frat. So let's dog ear that because it takes a few seconds, but it's it's, sure. kind, of, it's kind of it's it's a fun story. Maybe I'll tell it this time. We'll see. Uh, but anyway, I mean that was they beat the. The Rays, they're not the Devil Rays anymore, but they beat the Tampa Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Cole Hamels, I mean, was just having like uh, incredible year, like one World Series MVP. They won it in five. Uh, the kind of anticlimactic part of that series was uh, Game Five got rained out in the sixth, and so right. they had to come back and finish the last three innings two days later because it was in Philadelphia. And then, like, uh, the Tuesday, like, it was still raining too much. And then he came back on Wednesday and finished up the game. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's like nine outs. Like, I think the game was, like, fucking, like, 35 minutes. And it's like, Will says, and they're just, like, you can tell, like, they're trying to do, like, the crazy, but, it's like, they lost so much gas. Like, you know, it's just, like, 35 minutes. Like, it just kind of felt, like, weird. But uh, a really, really fun team group for uh Jimmy Rollins, uh, Shane Victorino, the Flying Hawaiian. You had a little Chase Utley. Boo, fuck you. That's it. during the All-Star game. Like, he accidentally got recorded. <laughs> like, someone said boo when he walked on the field. And, like, there was a camera on him right when he said boo, fuck you. Like, it's, it's hilarious. So that's a uh, <laughs> – you know a fun fact about all three of my picks for this list? And I What's didn't that? realize until afterwards. I can't, it was kind of all in the orbit. Uh, all 2008 season. Like, if sports yeah. is all I had going for me, like, 2008 was just the time to end it all. It's over. <laughs> right, ain't ain't going right. to be another year like that. Oh, especially if the Vikes would have. Yeah. What else you got, bro? Don't bring it up. That's right. No, it's funny. It's because mine are all, like, mine was 97, 98, 97. Um, early 90s for me, this is the team that did not win a championship. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the 91, 92 Michigan Wolverine, the Fab Five, the iteration yep, of it all. Yep, yep, Bald heads, black shoes, black socks. <laughs> Let your nuts hang. Shock the world. <laughs> God damn it, that was an awesome team. And and, and so talking awesome. about, uh, thank you for again for this email. Because, I, and, and yes, whatever. Whatever you want to say, throw your shit at me about getting paid and all this other stuff and Chris Webber and timeouts and Fuck, whatever, man. Here's the thing. If you were a fan of basketball and and you're roughly my age, you're 38, 39, 37, wherever you're at, being in the state of Michigan at that time, the, the Fab Five was a cultural movement. It was something, and I was right there at its back door. I went to the University of Michigan camp as a kid growing up. I mean, this team, if you want to sit there and say, like, a team to, to watch, to be inspired by, to just be like, I, these guys are the greatest thing. These are rock stars. I would have my Beatles moments if I saw those guys walking down the streets. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting amped up for this thing, man. <laughs> God, you got me fired up, brother. You got me. You know, that's why it's like they're almost kind of like, like definitely friends of the pod. Like, we, we talk, we've talked about that game, I think, like, five or six episodes. Like, it definitely yes, is. Yes, yes. Yeah. We've talked about Chris Weber a lot and, and all that. So, uh, favorite Fab Five member. Um, obviously, Weber and Rose are pretty up there, and Juwan Howard, uh, my favorite. And, I, and I'll hang this out here, a little fun fact. Uh, Jimmy King. So, I, all right. if, you've, if, if you've ever known me, so I always have a like a rubber band or or like I've, I now I've usually have, have wore this like, Extremity Games, like the, the Live Strong things. 
uh, I read the book, The Fat Five, Jimmy King. His favorite thing to do was wear like a rubber band on his wrist. And actually, when he's getting recruited by KU, I think it was KU, they sent him a box of like crimson and blue, you know, rubber bands so he could wear on his wrist with like, you know, Kings or uh, Jimmy King written on the the thing. I don't know if that's a recruiting violation or not, but we'll we'll check on that later. (laughs) Rubber bands cost money. Right, exactly, right. But that's the thing is, is so like I read that and he always had it on his wrist. And so I love Jimmy King because he was like super athletic and could dunk. And uh, so I ever since then, so that would have been 1991. So we're going on 27 years ish. I've worn a something on my left wrist, just like Jimmy King. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, bro. Good list. Uh, thanks for that email. Uh, listener banger. Keep them coming in. You guys can reach us at MAB sports podcast at gmail.com. Uh, let us hear any questions. We'll read them on the air, or maybe you want to weigh in on kind of your top favorite teams that didn't win a championship or did win a championship. Uh, hit us up. All right, we're up against it. We're making up for lost time because we are taking our times in these segments because they are jam fucking <laughs> packed full. Let's see if we can pull this off. Uh, MA, MA parenting tip take him to his jam. <laughs> all right buddy ma ma parenting tip i teased a little bit earlier uh not not the most fun we had with one uh what's going on buddy okay so 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 dog watch um so so we 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 brought we fostered james Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately we had to give james back and it's not for the reason that i think a lot of people as i teased in last pod that he had two torn acls Yep. He still does have two torn ACLs, and obviously we were going to care for him. However, James indicated shortly after we recorded that pod, uh, he had a little aggression issues and a little aggression issues with our girls. So, um, for I don't know, I told you, Brandana, but like he, James nipped my one daughter actually in the cheek. She had a little bruise, and it was one of those things where with dogs and, and kids, you know, you obviously you're trying to teach teach them not to get in their face, um, and and. Not to say that it was by any means like her issue on the dog, but we didn't, I didn't, I had my back to it. My wife was looking at it and didn't kind of see it just from the angle. She, and the way that James would like lick and kind of kiss them, sometimes he would chomp his mouth a little bit. So yeah. even today, even today, Kamishet says, you know, oh, well, he was licking me and he bit me. It's hard to tell, it, you yeah. know, but her reaction was that she definitely got bit. She's got a nice little bruise on her cheek. Um, not scared, not upset at, you know, like it didn't damage her. So it was one of those things where we're like, you know, we, my wife and I had a real strong conversation because that's like a, that's a kind of a zero tolerance thing. But in the moment you kind of talk about it, you're like, all right, well, let's keep and monitor it. And then like, you gotta play a little, you gotta play a little detective, right? Like you can't tell what's going on. You're just like, uh, like, okay, we'll toss the dice a little bit. Like maybe like it was like one of those little accidents, but you kind of have to like, at least mark it up and like, do your, your spidey senses go up now, right? Like you're kind of oh. just kind of like, you're kind of waiting to see like, all right, what's the, what's the score here? And uh, right, can I, exactly. can I ask how, how many days in are we on with like James hanging out in the house? So that is, that is basically, that was like, I can't remember if it was like Friday night, like before they went to bed. I think it was Friday night. So we're like just on the cusp of a full seven days because okay. we got them the Saturday previous. Okay. So then we're sitting there and, we're, you know, we had lots of conversations about it. And then on Sunday morning, he was playing with a toy. He had gone over and was sitting next to 
the couch next to my wife and our youngest daughter, Nora, was walking kind of toward him and he lunged at her. Now, he didn't hurt her, didn't injure her. In fact, Kimishad 2.0 was kind of like, hey, what's up? Like, what are you doing? This is weird. But that was a huge indication of that. And, and, and here's the thing is, is so I, and, and I would suggest, like we talked about on getting a dog, you have to find a dog that fits your life. And part of working with a, a rescue or an adoption center or something like that is, is there's a level of unknown. There's a level of something that you, you just can't, you can't um, fully know because you don't know their past histories. You know, labs are, are wonderful dogs, but if they're not bred properly for temperament, meaning their aggression and things like that, that we, you know, or other potential issues, you, you don't know what you're getting with that, with that dog. You don't know the lineage. And not to say that it's, you can't hit a home run, um, but when you have young kids and you have mild aggression issues kind of coming to the surface, these things are like oil and water. And you- so is it like a little bit of a sliding scale? Like what's the – obviously it doesn't – like uh, James or whatever pet you bring in, they don't get like – not to use the pun, but like obviously they're in a short leech. Like is there a little bit of just like – acting up behavior because they're getting used to a new environment as opposed to I see like something like this. So it's game over. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could make a lot of excuses. And I think that's where parents, especially in these, these, these instances, you know, it's a tough thing to sit there and have to tell your child like, Hey, we're going to get a dog and now we're getting rid of the dog. And Oh, by the way, like still, how do you balance out, um, getting away from the dog and also sitting there saying like, well, we're not shirking our responsibilities. James is just not safe, you know, because you don't want to sit there and kind of model behavior. That's like, well, if the going gets tough, we just cut bait. That's not the thing. So you have to be very cognizant of that. Um, So a lot of it is having conversations with the kids, but to your point is, is you don't want to rationalize the behavior because there are some underlining issues. Now, again, it's looking at your life and how you, how that animal fits into your life. Now we have two young kids. So our training becomes twofold, not just conditioning James to work on his aggression issues, but also working with a two-year-old and a four-year-old who this is their first pet. This is a, this is a bad instance. So if one of those things was, was different, maybe if our girls were 15 and 16. I was going to ask that exact question. Like it's, it's almost like a different, it's a different conversation if they're a little bit, because right now, like you're right, like you need, not only do you need a dog that's just like very comfortable in that environment, but it's almost like you need the dog to cut the girls a little bit more slack than you cut the dog slack, right? Because it's like they're learning how to like pet an animal. Maybe it's like sometimes it's a little too rough or it's like a headlock or like an eyeball gets poked and you can't have like the dog like freaking out. Yeah, exactly right. And that's the thing is, is up until that point, he was 100%. I mean, he was like, oh, he's really sweet. I, I posted it on Instagram. There was an instance where Nora took James's head and just dapped it to her head. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then was laying on James. And it was just one of those things. The other thing that was, was very scary is, is both of those instances came seemingly unprovoked. There was no... And and I, I do want the listeners to know, obviously, my wife is a veterinarian, but we and, and, and I don't know if everyone remembers, but we actually owned a dog walking and pet sitting company in L.A. and dealt with all sorts of different animals, fostered them, uh, had them stay at our house for like uh, probably five to six years while we were in L.A. So we we're kind of I don't want to say experts, but we're definitely can we definitely understand doggy um, personality and dog energies and just all that stuff. So. 
he did this seemingly without any indicators. Dogs typically will warn you first. You know, the hair gets up on the back of their neck. They will do a little growl, a little yeah. snarl. They might bark. None of this. In both instances, there was no kind of, um, no, no kind of uh, warning flag. Hey, don't come nearby me. So that's even harder to to train our kids on to look out for. You know what I mean? Ultimately, um, I think as a parent, when you kind of get into these situations, expressing to them, hey. You know, I, I've always told our girls and my wife and I, our number one job is to keep you safe. And we've always taught that to them, that everything that we do, even if you might not like it, a large, a large part of our job and our number one job is to keep you safe. So when this issue with James came up, it was, we were definitely, and it's a hundred percent true. It's, this is our decision. And then this is the reason why yeah. James is a great, sweet puppy. He's not right for our family, and we can't have him in our house if he's going to hurt you. Our number one job is to keep you safe. And they're asking good questions. What good questions do they ask when you got to take James away? Right, yeah. I mean, they just, you know, they, they just really just asked about, you know, why. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that they understood that it was nothing that was their fault, that James just isn't a good fit with our family because he's not safe he's not safe for you girls and you guys are learning about dogs and our number one job is to keep you safe um and obviously it was emotional and that's the thing is like a parent you kind of that's why you see so many parents like make kind of poor decisions because they don't want to feel the guilt of taking something away from their girls but i you know obviously honesty is a really good kind of policy in this instance and just kind of having a very frank and honest conversation you know, Charlotte Commissette, she got the nip on her cheek and saw what happened to Nora to know that, hey, this probably isn't a good thing and this could be bad. And it's nobody, it's not James's fault. It's not their fault. It's just, it's not a good fit for our family. And then what's really kind of like comforting is to see the two of them talking about it, you know, a few days later and Nora asking where, where, where she called him Jamie. I don't know why James is, James is too hard for her to say, but she called him Jamie. <laughs> sure. So, so where'd Jamie go? And then Charlotte basically saying like, he wasn't safe. He had to go back to his house, um, which is kind of basically oh. how we explained it. And that's one of those things where you're like, Oh, well, at least like it, it, I feel like it makes sense. Like they know what's going on. So. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry to hear that happen, man, but, uh, thanks for sharing that story. Handle it well. And right now the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. Cause I see a trouble coming. <laughs> Go and going to that Neapolitan showdown. Bring us the jam. So let's leave it alone. Cause we can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me, and we just disagree. All right, brother. Neapolitan showdown. It's just us. You can't hide behind the safety of some strangers that are Mm-mm. judging your action heroes. I'm back Mm-mm. to doing the scoring now. We're doing top cocktails in the summertime. Uh, actually, there was last week, there was a thing, like a parameter that Darren put in, or the Doff put in his email, where he said summertime cocktails. Uh, I drink what I drink. Uh, it's in the winter. It's in the fall. It's in the spring. And it's in the summer. They don't change based on what the temperature is outside. i uh, usually an IPA guy, but I did play by the rules of what's going on with these cocktails. So we can dive right in. You are in the midst. You're glowing in your two-peat. So let's... Two-peat? Uh, your two-peat. Like, pew, pew! Yeah, shooting off. I haven't won two in a row in a while. Barely pulled out one to prevent the three-peat. 
Uh, all right, so you take the ball out, sir. What do you got? Okay. So um, so I, I, I made sure that they stuck to the true form of a cocktail, which is at least two ingredients and or more. Didn't want to just you know go straight just just liquor on you. Okay. Yes, sir. The definition um, of a cocktail is an alcoholic drink consisting of a spirit or several spirits mixed with other ingredients such as fruit juice, lemonade, or cream. I did look that up because you're sneaky, and I gotta be there careful. There you go. Okay. You. Well, yeah. You, I didn't want you. you I didn't want you showing up being like fireball shot number one. I'm just like that's not a cocktail, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with three. There's nothing, there's nothing more fun about this cocktail. It's a good time drink. Usually when you're out there, you're probably with some friends. Sure. I'm talking about you're probably having a little you know, Mexican food, maybe some chips and salsa. I'm going with number three. I'm going with the margarita, margarita. rocks, and salt. Okay. Rocks right. and salt. No blended. Don't blend that shit. It's got to be rocks and salt. Okay, so you're not blended. And you're not like strawberry or anything. Like, no, no, uh, no, 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 you, no. You want a Cadillac? You want a little bit of just like Grand Marnier floating on top there? What do you think? That, that's acceptable. I'll take that. I'll okay. take that. All right. Take a little bit more. Uh, so I'll go like uh, I'll go off your tip. Uh, I do like the margarita. It is a classic. Uh, the only thing more classic than a margarita is most awesome going chalk in these fucking <laughs> fucking Neapolitan showdowns. But uh, one classic <laughs> deserves another classic. We'll do uh, when you come, used to come in to see me, the pink taco, which might come up a couple times in this segment. Uh, I think yes. margaritas were $12 on paper. You got them for free, but they're 12 bucks. So we'll give you 12 points. Uh, I'm going to do a Paloma because I'm going to keep it on the tequila tip. Okay. Uh, Paloma is, I mean, I'm going to, here's a long winded, commonly prepared by mixing tequila with a grapefruit flavored soda, such as squirt, fresca. Uh, yeah, I'm basically saying like a tequila and squirt. Underestimated. If you haven't had it, it is fantastic. And it does fit, Doff, it does fit your hot summer days. What do you got, brother? No, I was just going to say, yeah. squirt is my underrated soda. Mm-hmm. If I see a squirt every once in a while, yeah. I'll, I don't like to drink soda, but I do yeah. love a squirt. Wait, and it, I, and it, even if it's in some, I mean, you are the boss at work. Even if it's someone's hand, you're just like, that sounds fantastic. And just snatch it. Just like, sleep <laughs> <Right>. squirt. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I didn't realize you brought it for me. Bring a, bring a <laughs> awesome. squirt to, to work day. You get a raise um, to cover this. And squirt. I didn't actually know until the other day when I, I actually had one like like a week ago, a squirt, and I was like, oh shit. This, this is grapefruit. a grapefruit soda. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what's yeah, the fucking I flavor didn't here? That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's not squirt flavored soda. It is grapefruit. Right. Uh so have you ever put like a little tequila in there? I have not, but I am now. I know what my weekend's gonna have. I know what your weekend is. You know what's gonna happen is you're gonna also you're gonna owe us a little last call sports call. I want you to slam down <laughs> some fucking tequila squirts. Uh, it's a Paloma, yeah. So that's uh, that's the easy way to make it. You can make it at home. Uh, I definitely had a stretch where that was my go to drink of choice for cocktails. Uh, the nice thing, if you go to a fancy place, um, we used to make these. Also, I made it from scratch. You could do tequila, and then you do like a little soda from the actual soda gun, and then you do actually like fresh pressed like grapefruit juice not necessary but if you're at a bar uh give it a try most awesome like squirts that's half my drink so i'm going to give myself double the score to make his score half mine so it's 28 or 24 12 that's some that's some fuzzy pittsburgh steeler math nah, right there just, just trying to learn it. okay don't worry all right about it. so you know what here's the thing i go chalk the because thing? they're they're, the they're great american oh yeah okay. <laughs> i should get a point for every time i say here's the thing so so the the vodka soda is my number two. Grey Goose club soda with a little bit of lime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's refreshing. 
drink. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're out there, no matter where you are. It's a little effervescence. Gets a little soda. Gets a little fluid back into you. And it's a low-carb drink. And and I don't know about you, but I'm about this fitness brand, Dan. I'm okay. about that life. Yeah, yeah. I'll play ball with that. So it's a good low. It's it's a good low carb drink. Plus, it's it's it, no one can fuck this drink up. Mm-mm. It's super easy to and 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 I I traditionally don't like to just drink lots of frilly frou frou drinks. So I like a clean and simple. I'm going with vodka soda. Yeah, you'll see. We're on the same tip, and I, I think you did pull. You like to keep it tight, as I do, brother. Uh, yeah. You're not about that dad bod life. Like a uh, little bite be sneaking up, but you still like to keep it. You know. A test of drapes upstairs, keep it sharp. You know, just kind of look like you know what you're doing. Work your way around. I, I yep. respect the low-carb thing. Um, not super inspired. You did include fruit, so there's a lime on it. But you know what? You you like what you like. So I'll, I'll give you a solid uh, – I'll give you eight on that, which brings it 20 to 24. Uh, tell me what you think about this drink right here. I went a Ricky. Okay. Have you heard of a Ricky before? Okay. I have not. I knew you were going to pull out all these fucking bartender drinks because <laughs> you famously yeah. worked at a bar – I've never worked at a bar, and no, I don't know what a Ricky is. Yeah, it was famously like the fucking like I, worst job of my life. But yes, I did work at a bar, <laughs> and yes, you did predict the future. That's why there's no way. When I saw Doff send that in, like I started salivating because I was like, episode 21 is mine. Okay, here's what a Ricky is, and I, I think you'd be into it. So it's uh, it's typically with gin or bourbon, but it's uh, it's served in a highball glass. Uh, whatever. It's it, this is more like all complicated, but you can do. Uh, I like. I actually prefer a tequila Ricky if I was gonna do it. But it's so you squeeze a lime into a glass. You add a carbonated water, so it's very close to your vodka soda, and you would like a vodka Ricky. The only thing is, and I know we both don't like frou frou drinks, but if you drop in right. like a little like actual like sugar in there, and you muddle that lime into a little bit of sugar, don't get like super fucking sweet, but you just want like a hint of sweetness in that soda, and it's sure. just like that lime makes it pop. It's a treat. Do it, Ricky. So I want you to like. Uh, so you got you got a lot of homework this weekend, and your homework's going to leave you. There's a lot of last call sports <laughs> call coming at you. Leave you on the floor. Uh, yeah. So that's a poll. I think you're into it. So I'm going to give myself. Uh, yeah, fuck it. I'll give myself another uh, 24 points. So that's 48 to 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no no negative points because it's got a terrible name, a Ricky. It's a Ricky, terrible. I, I don't drink like. Name. It's kind of like I, I think it's. I think it's a specific drink that has a history, and, but it's not too, like, it's not pretentious. It's not like a Harvey Wallbanger, or it's not, it doesn't have a name that's just like, oh, like, this motherfucker's, like, trying to show off. You're just asking it because you intentionally don't want me to know how to make that. Like, it's just, right, like, right. It's, it's, it's crisp, it's clean. I'm, I like the name. I like the cocktail. What's your top dog, bro? How, wait, wait, how, how, how masculine can you ask for a bourbon Ricky or a, a gin Ricky or a tequila Ricky? Hey, what's going on? Can I get a tequila Ricky? I'll be paying, uh, I'll, I'll be, sure. I'll be paying in cash and, uh, <laughs> can someone light my Marlboro red, please? There you go. Right. Masculine. There you part. go. Okay. Don't, don't let my, okay. don't let All my right. mustache don't get like, in the way. Then they'll be like, uh, you mean a, a, a Ricky Martin? We don't you, serve that here, sir. You know what's funny? Like, talking to that deep voice makes me realize, like, how actually I do talk because I was like, there's like <laughs> way down here and nothing like what I sound like at all. There you go. I like it. So I, uh, I, 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 I'm on that same tip about putting the sugar in. This is why I like one version of this more than another. Ooh, I almost want to block I, you, and I almost had the 50 points to fuck around with it. I'm not going to do it, though, because I'm like, it would be like, it, it's, it's like the guy that gloats when he's about to cross the finish line. Like, I got the W in hand. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to fuck it up. Yeah. 
You're like the guy. You're like one of those like the bicyclist bicyclists at the end of like the Tour de France. He's like puts exactly. His arms up, and Egg, in, exactly. And here comes most awesome zipping through. Yep. So here's my, my here's my drink. I'm going with the Manhattan, and I like it over an old fashioned. Yeah, you wrote it down. Very nice, sir. Very nice. You should have called it. You should call it your shot. Yeah, I, I thought and I thought about it, me, but you know, like you know that I love the whiskey. Yeah, if it was a close one and there's desperation, I definitely would have done it. And when he said a little bit of sugar, uh. Yeah, um, yeah, man, has nice. So why over the old fashioned? I'd love to hear that. Because I like the sweet vermouth, and I like the just I like a little bit of cherry in there. Yep. Um, just a little sweetness in it. Plus, I don't like the ice in it. I like it chilled over. Although the 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 ice cube for a traditional old fashioned is pretty slick. Mm-hmm. I don't like that kind of banging around the glass. I just like the I like the the cocktail chilled. And the old fashioned has got the ice cubes or ice the spherical cube, yeah. um, and then this sugar muddled in it. So that's why I like the Manhattan over the over the old fashioned. Yeah, I think the only thing that kind of pull. I'm not a big whiskey drinker at all, and you won't see it on my list. I do like uh, I like a little bit of the bitters that come with an old fashioned. I think that's what leads me sure. towards that. But uh, yeah, secret with the Manhattan is I like just just a fucking. I was talking about this a couple of days ago. And I think I used to make them for uh, ATL when he came in, or it was Doff or something when they come into the bar. But it's just a fucking dash of that, like, red cherry juice. Like, the smallest amount, but, like, yep. that kind of opens up. Just, like, putting a little bit of that, it really it comes to fuck, as they say. Uh, my last <laughs> one is I wanted to put this in my number one, and then I was on the fence because I was like, I don't know if it's an official cocktail. Uh, and then I did my research to make sure because, like, this walks away with it. Can I? Uh, can I, can I throw it out there right now? Can I throw it out there? Can I just say Red Bull vodka? <laughs> that was going to come up Dale from the frat. Like, ooh, okay. I mean, maybe if this was like 10 years ago, but I definitely like. But you also like, you You also love Grand Marnier too. That's true. Yeah, there, there is a, there. there's just a certain, or I hope so, and maybe like not for some people, but there's a certain number of like Red Bull vodkas you can have and you just have to like retire that poison and that poison right, has been Right, exactly. I don't touch you know, that Red Bull. You get the shakes. Too, too, I was gonna say too many mornings you wake up and your heart's beating like a lab rat and you're like no okay. exactly well it got to the enough. point to where like if you drank a like like a Red Bull without vodka in it you'd be like is there fucking vodka in there like you you almost can't discern the flavors you're just like I like it all is like one fucking flavor now uh, no right. I went with the I could have made another guess and, and said Grand Marnier in a parliament, parliament light, but I don't know if that's a cocktail or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, close. I would have given you points. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I did the dirty martini. And I think there's a lot of debate oh, yes. also. Yeah, there's a lot of debate on, you know, uh, a martini is, you know, it's it's gin, it's dry vermouth. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of that dance. But uh, I, I like a vodka martini. I like doing a little bit of kettle one and a splash of yep. olive juice. And that's uh, real fast. I want to run through this. We're. We are up so, against which, it. We got so, a hard out. We're so fucking up against it. We don't get to do like. Do you not want to do my NFL futures? Is it something I said? I don't. I don't know why you do this to me. It's, most awesome. I think it's something I said because I think I talk too much sometimes on these podcasts, Brandana. <laughs> no, it's just like everyone's listening. They're just like, Jesus, Brandon, can he talk about the dog that he returned back to the shelter and his two daughters had to deal with it? So you can talk about the fucking like Texans winning eight and a half games, you piece of shit. Like fair, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so real fast as we're up against it and we will not we'll have to save that gambling corner for another segment as we do our favorite thing is to tease it and then not to do it but it just means it's a jam-packed pod the scary days even in the dog days of summer would be like all right we're finished and we're 18 minutes in 
Um, real fast. Right. So you go to a steakhouse, run me down what you're drinking at a steakhouse. I'll take you through mine with my B-Day coming up next week. I'm most definitely going to do this on Wednesday. You show up and out of the gate, I have my dirty kettle one martini and I, I don't need it extra dry. Like put the vermouth in there. It's a fucking drink. Like let them make it like I'm, I'm over that. If you want a big, tall, cold glass of vodka, like go home. So that happens around right. the time the seafood tower shows up. So I finish that done when I'm done eating my oysters and my shrimp cocktail and my crab legs on there. Retire that, order my steak with the side of spinach, with the asparagus and the mashed potatoes coming out. That's when I order my red wine. I'm going to have two glasses of Cabernet. I want it big. I want it bold. I want it in front of me. So by the time the steak's done, all that's taken away. I'm not eating dessert because I'm a grown adult and I'm not 11. But what I will have for my dessert <laughs> is a glass of Lagavulin on the rocks. Give me two rocks. Actually, like I say, give me two rocks. I don't give a shit how many like cubes are in there. Obviously, like don't. It's not a slushy machine, but I'm not pretentious about how much ice in there. And I, I might get disagreement with that, but two to three rocks is fine. But I want to sip that smoky, peaty campfire scotch, and that is my steakhouse experience with what cocktails and drinks are included. What do you got, brother? Ooh. That sounds that sounds really good. I mean, you're, you're making me making me rethink it a little bit here. You know, I, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, the margarita at the steakhouse is where I start. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm probably <laughs> definitely leading. I'm, I'm probably definitely leading off with. I'm probably doing your same situation, except I'm probably bookending Manhattan's on on the red wine, and I'm mm. probably. Cabernet is good. I do like like a Syrah. I do like a, a, a drier red. So give me something like that. Uh, but yeah, I'm probably bookending it with the Manhattans. Uh, I will do the dessert because I uh, I'm comfortable in my age sure. and doing a dessert a nice <laughs> yeah. little 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 table share of something sweet for for everyone is not nice. Plus, you just basically share that those calories with everyone else. Yeah. Um, Ice cream, chocolate ice cream, always very solid. Uh, don't sleep on bread pudding, uh, especially at some of those higher end steakhouses. Delicious. Come on, don't don't fucking roll your eyes at me. All right, I, I'm just like you. drinks are your territory, desserts are. All my right, fair enough, fair enough. Off. I'm just telling you, you said don't sleep, but I'm literally like I want to sleep on this recommendation. All right, I hear you. I you know it. Right. Like you take my advice, I'll take yours, brother. You got a jam packed weekend of. Pass it on the floor with a bunch of tequila Rickies, and I'm just going to go get fat on bread pudding. There we go. We figured it out. There you go. You don't get this body without eating a little bread pudding. <laughs> yeah. We save a bunch of vodka sodas for the next two months trying to shed that 15 pounds. All right. Well, it's clear, but let's make it official. Neapolitan Showdown, best cocktails, the W goes to Brandana. Uh, all right, right, guys. Uh, as always, uh, email us your perfect steakhouse combination, or you can reach us on our social media platforms. Uh, the email is mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. We are up against it, as we said. Oh, what a – we did talk a lot about booze. What an exciting episode 21 we got into it. Uh, we're going to finish real strong as we do with our – MVP of the week and 60 second tail from the frat, but real fast, most awesome. Uh, where can they reach us on social media? If they want to weigh That's in right. on kind of, uh, their top cocktails for the summer. Yeah. If they want to talk, get on their top cocktails, just talk about us, send us little pictures, whatever you like. They can get at us on Instagram and at Twitter, M a B underscore sports. That's S P O R T S. That's both Twitter and Instagram. Holla at you boys. Holla at us. All right. MVP of the week. Most awesome. I'm going, I think you're going to like this. I know we talked okay. about it a little on the top of the show. I'm going little Greg Popovich. 
All right, like classic Ooh. surly, like just kind of like a little grandfather figure or just like always like snaps to the media, like snaps back. But kind of there's a little tongue and cheek to cheekness to it that I like that you don't get from like a Bill Belichick that he's like a little bit of fun with the media. Uh, the reason I'm giving it to him is because I think it's fucking hilarious. You have a top 10 player of the NBA that refuses to play for your team and feels like he's showing you up. He's going to call the shots. And you know that this guy desperately is talking out loud about wanting to go to sunny LA and you send him to fucking Toronto, the <laughs> northernest city in the fucking league. Pack a park, motherfucker. It's about to get cold. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Pop, always a contender for, uh, surly mvp of the week i love it um i'm gonna go with uh and there's so many mvps that are floating around there out there right now um you know i'm gonna go with with two that are close to my heart i'm talking about uh your boy brandana celebrating his birthday on july 25th who also happens to share his birthday with mr four star both born on July 25th, so both of those guys are my MVPs of the week. As you're listening to this on Monday morning, holler at your boys on Wednesday. Mr. Four Star and I share the same birthday? Yeah, July 25th. I think that's enough information to get us a fifth fucking star. <laughs> oh, he All has right. actually updated his thing, but um, he, I know. it is five stars now, but he's never yeah. not going to be called Mr. Four Star from here on out. All right, and we are up against it but quickly our 60 second tale from the frat so uh, i moved to la in 2008 Uh, i think it was around 2009 my first birthday in los angeles uh had a job at the pink taco that we were talking about earlier met a bartender named xander uh he was with me in vegas uh, a couple weeks ago when uh listener joe was there Anyway, uh, first time we met, it was like, hey, it's my birthday. He's just like, all right, like he's being friendly. The new guy working there is just like, all right, let me take you uh, take you to a drink. So uh, we go downtown to an L.A. bar, and he was like, anything you'd like. Uh, I was used to Kansas prices for drinks and not L.A. prices. Ordered my Lagavulin like we were talking about earlier, and the bill came. It had two rocks in it, and it was $50, and his eyes rolled back in his head, and I felt so bad that we uh, – we just split it in half. He was going to pay for it all, but I was like, you cannot do that. I thought it was going to be like uh, $11. And that's the uh, the tale from the front. All right, brother. Guys, one last time. You can email us at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. We are on iTunes. Subscribe. Give us that five stars. And please let a friend know. It helps out a lot. Uh, we've been growing, and we know it's because of you. And we thank you for it. I am Brandana. I had a blast. I'm about to take off for the weekend. Most awesome. Thanks for doing this early. I appreciate it. This will drop on Monday. And sign yourself off, my man. Ma'am, sports podcasts are so money, and your podcast doesn't even know it. Ow! Enjoy your week, brother. Have a good one, bro. Runway. Style. Fame. She likes fashion.